We can come into this room. We can stay at this big fancy hotel and we can dress up in our suits and our nice clothes and we have combed hair and we smell nice and we look nice. But all it takes is just a a snarky blog comment, a ruthless critic, a terrible product launch, a writing rejection, And then all of a sudden, we aren't sure if we matter anymore. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, Michelle Cachat. Now, John, just a few months ago, you heard Michelle give this message at the Platform Conference here in Colorado Springs at the Broadmoor Hotel, correct? Yes, and I think people might be familiar with Michelle. She's the co-host of This Is Your Life with Michael Hyatt. And Michael, she has made the show so much better. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And, you know, coming down to the platform conference, it was just an incredible time. Anybody that's really has a message and they want to get it out there in this world. But uh, Michelle spoke, and, you know, and she's one of these people it just has this warmth, this presence around her. Uh, as soon as she was done speaking, I went up to talk with her, and it was like a, having a conversation with somebody you've known for years. She just is this amazing woman. And I, I said, what you just shared up there just struck me deeply and emotionally and was just so valuable in my life and where I'm at now. And I asked her if she'd come on the podcast. And Steve, what she shared with me is that she'd mm-hmm. been diagnosed with cancer. It was tongue cancer, mm-hmm. and, and I won't describe the treatment, uh, but it is it is very long and can be very painful. But the thing that really struck me, Steve, is when Michelle was up on the platform to give this speech, she didn't know if she'd ever be able to speak again. And mm-hmm. she poured everything about who she was, what God had created in her and her message into this one talk. And when I heard that, I asked her, I said, could we broadcast that talk that you gave at Platform out to our listeners so they could hear your message? And she also shared at that time that she was coming out with a book. And, and we said, we'd love to time this episode coming out because her book just came out. Uh, Steve, I know you've seen it. It's called mm-hmm. Undone. And this is just this incredible story about Michelle's discovery and the learning that she's had in her life. Is She's really attempted to control her life. And when she did that, it robbed it of its vibrancy. And she says something that really stuck out at me, that faith mm-hmm. in the midst of the unknown is the only real kind of faith at all. And I know it's Michelle's call for each of us to just relinquish the perfection in our life, embrace what is, to lean in. Uh, because right here, right now, in our own lives, our unfinished story, with its all missteps and misfortunes, there's peace. And Michelle's been able to find the peace. And what she shares is there's there's just presence in that moment. Uh, and I love how she, she sums up here on her book, because sometimes life's best stories are written right in the middle of the mess. And listeners can go to eternalleadership.com slash 026. That's eternalleadership.com slash 026 to find a link for that book through Amazon or some other booksellers in our show notes. That's eternalleadership.com slash 026. That link will also be embedded here in this MP3 if you're listening on your smartphone, tablet, or on your computer. Well, without further ado, let's get to that message entitled Three Truths You Need to Know About Who You Are by our guest, Michelle Cushat, on today's edition of Eternal Leadership. He left the poster on my desk 
on the day before he left for kindergarten. A 14 by 20 poster with the four letters of his name written in fat black and red marker. A-D-Y-N. Aiden, my little boy. He left it there in the center of my desk in the middle of my office because he knew that's where I'd be sitting all day long after he went to school. He wanted to make sure that I wouldn't forget about him while he was gone. Wanted to make sure that I'd think about him, my little boy. The one who had for so long been desperate for a family, who needed a forever home, as if I could really forget. You see, two years before, my husband and I were parents of three teenage boys. No little children were in the house. In fact, our second son had just graduated from high school. So two of our three boys were out of the home. They were done. And our third was just about ready to drive. You know what this means, right? We were on the cusp of empty nest. And we decided to give it another, another name. My husband and I, we called it the promised land. <laughs> Oh yeah, let me tell you, we had paid our dues and we were on the verge of the promised land. We were able to finally have conversations at the dinner table that weren't interrupted. I could actually finish my meal while it was still hot. We could sit there and go on dates and we could get to bed at a decent time. All those things. It was milk and honey, baby, milk and honey. We were almost there. And then two months later, the phone rang. Two months to the day after our second son graduated from high school. And the voice on the other end of the phone told us about a mom who had three young children, twin four-year-olds and a five-year-old. Only nine months apart, those three. And for reasons that I can't go into right now, this mom could no longer be a mother. And so the question was asked of my husband and I, will you take them? No. Really? Take them, start parenting all over again. Let me tell you, parenting the first time around, I love being a mom, but it's not always a piece of cake. Anybody hear me, please, please? So to go all the way back to the beginning and start over again, it was like, it was like approaching the last mile of a marathon and somebody saying, oh, just kidding, you have 26 miles more to go. Did I really want to do that? <sighs> no. And yet, oh, all I could think about were the faces of two four-year-olds and a five-year-old, one boy and two little girls, with nowhere else to go. And how do you say no to that? And so 24 hours later, we packed up what we had called our emptiness car, right? You know, the new one we got that didn't have any evidences of all the teenagers' destruction from the years before, right? We packed up our emptiness car with three borrowed car seats, and we drove to another state where we parked in a Walmart parking lot and met three young children and brought them home. They had one two-by-one suitcase that contained the contents of their entire world. Well, before you start to think how glamorous and wonderful it is, let me tell you, I am no saint. <laughs> It only took a few days for us to realize that those sweet children came with far more baggage than their little tiny suitcase. You see, their history was one of trauma and loss and fear and horrible insecurity. We'd see evidences of that, especially in our little boy, Aiden, the way that he would scream in terror when an ordinary housefly landed on his arm. 
the way he would launch into a rage that lasted for an hour when we asked him to fold his socks, the way that he would eat his macaroni and cheese without chewing, he would swallow it whole as if it might crawl off his plate and disappear if he didn't eat it fast enough, and the way he would offer a hundred I love yous every single day. You see, he followed us around constantly. Mommy, mommy, I love you. I love you, mommy. Mommy, I love you. I'd walk to the bathroom. Mommy, mommy, I love you. I love you, mommy. Mommy, I love you. Again and again and again, every single day, 100 I love yous. You know, I knew he wasn't really saying I love you. It was sweet the first few times, but after I heard it 100 times a day, I realized that it wasn't really about him loving me. It was how desperately he needed to hear those words in return. And somewhere along the way, he learned that if he pinged the world with an I love you, maybe somebody would throw one back. And so he followed me all over the house, followed my husband all over the house, offering his 100 I love yous. In fact, we nicknamed him pretty quickly after he came to our house, Radar. Because <laughs> he was always pinging the world with reminders that he existed, hoping somebody would stand up and notice. And so I offered my 100 I love yous in return. Buddy, I love you. Yep, I still love you. I told you five minutes ago, I still do. Yep, yep, I love you, buddy. I love you. And he'd smile, a big old smile, and then he'd walk away for maybe five minutes, 10. And then he'd be right back at my feet, asking one more time, Mommy, Mommy, I love you. Mommy, I love you, Mommy. I gotta tell you, it's sweet and precious the first few times, but after you've heard it a billion times, it just gets frustrating. You see, I'd pour all my I love yous into him, but he was like a bucket with a hole in the bottom. And everything that I invested just spilled right out. And honestly, no matter how much I poured, no matter how many times I told him he was valuable, no matter how many times I let him know that he mattered in this world, it just spilled right out the bottom and he ended up a big black hole once again. And that's frustrating. I mean, how many times should I have to, to let him know? How many times do I need to tell him before it finally sticks? And that's when it occurred to me. <laughs> I'm just the same. <sighs> oh, sure. I'm a grown up. <laughs> I can get all dressed up, and maybe I don't rage when somebody asks me to fold the socks, and perhaps I don't scream and cry when a housefly lands on my arm, and for the most part, I don't swallow my macaroni and cheese whole. But, but all it takes is a bad day or a bad experience <sighs> for someone to punch a hole in the bottom of my bucket and all my confidence to seep right out. You and I, we're just the same. We can come into this room, we can stay at this big fancy hotel, and we can dress up in our suits and our nice clothes, and we have combed hair, and we smell nice, and we look nice, but all it takes is just a, a snarky blog comment, a ruthless critic, a terrible product launch, a writing rejection. And then all of a sudden, we aren't sure if we matter anymore. And you know, behind all of our, 
our pings to the world, because that's what we do, don't we? The minute we feel insecure, we just start throwing our hundred I love yous out to the world, right? We throw it out on Facebook, hoping we'll hear from somebody about how great we are. We post something on Twitter. We create a new graphic. We post something on Instagram. We are pinging, 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 pinging the world, hoping that somebody will let us know that we matter. Because just like my boy Aiden, behind all of our pings are just some simple questions. Do you see me? Do you like me? And am I good enough? My friend Jeff Goyne said, before you can do, you must be. Before you can do, you must be. And so before we go today and take all of this information back home, all these ways that we can build our platforms, I need each one of you to know the truths about who you are. Because this is the platform of your platform. This is the foundation under everything that you build. And until you know the truths about who you are, you will never be able to build anything that lasts. The first truth, you have a name. You have a name. There is no need for you to go out there and make a name for yourself. Because from the moment you were born, you have a name. You don't need a 14 by 20 poster. You don't need to ping the world with all these constant, desperate attempts to get the world to acknowledge how valuable you are. I want you to hear me when I say this. Hear me. Value comes from within, not without. Your value comes from within, not without. No agent, no email list, no blog post, no product, no presenter, no manager, no blog reader can tell you how valuable you are. It's established. It's already done. You already have a name. You already have a name. Don't value yourself so little that you're willing to sell it to the cheapest bidder. First truth, you have a name. Second, you have a purpose. There is no one that has your unique gifts and talents and experiences and offerings in this generation just like you. You are entirely unlike anyone else. There is no one on this platform that can compare with you. I know you've been sitting here watching these talented presenters. Let me tell you, I do the same thing. I sit back there and I go, oh my goodness, I sink. I'm terrible. Look at how amazing they are. They're so polished. They're so talented. They're so brilliant. They have so many great ideas. And so you sit there and think, I can never be that. Well, true. You can't be Stu McLaren. You can't be Pat Flynn, and you certainly cannot be Michael Hyatt. And that's a good thing. <sighs> but only you can do you. Only you can bring what you were uniquely created to offer this world. And if you decide to try to be somebody else, then you won't get done. Say no to comparison. Say no to imitation. The greatest temptation in a room like this is rather than learn from one another to try to mimic one another. Don't do it. Don't do it. You are worth so much more than that. And you have a purpose. 
You have a name. You have a purpose. But I also want you to know you have a place. You have a place. You have a place here. If there's one thing we wanted you to know while you were here is that you are not alone. This whole platform building world of trying to get our messages out there, it's a lonely job sometimes. We can feel very isolated. And it's a roller coaster of success and failure and success and failure and success and failure. But you are not alone. Take a look around. As a team, the presenters, the staff, all of us, we want you to know we get it. Hopefully you've heard that. We know it's hard. We know there's days that you want to quit. We know there's days that you wonder if it's worth it. We have been there. But we want you to know you have a place with us. We are a team. It's a great big world out there. We're not competing against each other. We are with each other. We are for each other. We are in this together, and you have a place. You have a name, you have a purpose, and you have a place. Probably a year after Aiden and his two sisters came and joined our house, we decided to take a trip to California. We wanted to take them to visit their grandparents, Mimi and Papa. And while we were there, we thought we would go to the ocean because they had never seen the ocean. And so we took them to Huntington Beach and we pulled up. And how do you explain to the ocean to children who have never seen it? I mean, how do you help them to understand what's, what's coming? And so we did our best, but we knew it really just took firsthand experience. And so we pulled up and we parked and we grabbed our picnic things and our towels and everybody had their swimming suits on already and we just took off running for the ocean. Well, I should say the little girls took off running. Aiden, not so much. He hung back with me. He didn't know what to expect. Well, we get to the ocean, walk over the long beach, we get to the water, and the girls just loved it. They immediately went running into the water, splashing, water going everywhere. You could have heard the giggling and squealing for miles. Okay, I'd never had girls before. I didn't know they had voices with those kind of decibels. (laughs) Aiden, on the other hand, yeah, he was afraid. He'd never seen the ocean before, and he wasn't sure it was a safe place to be. And so he would, he would come up right to the edge, and he would start to put his toes in the water, and then the water would recede, and he didn't know what to do with that, so he'd back up. And so he'd try to get close to it again, and then the water would come after him, and he would back up again, because it was terrifying to a tiny four-year-old little boy. And so for about 45 minutes, that's all he did. He would just start to approach the water, and then he'd run back. And then he'd approach the water, and then he'd run back. And then he'd approach the water, and then he'd run back. And I'm sitting there watching him, and I'm thinking, dude, this is the ocean. I don't want you to miss it. It's amazing. you got to get in. you got to get in. And I was trying to coach him as much as I possibly could. But the truth is, is this boy had learned very early on that life is not safe. Life is not safe. And he knew he could get hurt. He's been there before. And so he couldn't quite get up the guts to take the first step in. And then about 45 minutes after we arrived, I looked over and this is what I saw. (sighs) Not quite ready to embrace the water, but not running away from it either. Today, my friends, this is where you and I sit. We sit on the edge. 
We have new ideas, new possibilities. We have a message that we feel we have been made to deliver. And we know this, we know it. But the truth is, is the ocean is really big (laughs) and it's scary. And we know there's a chance that we could get hurt. There's a chance it might not work. It could fail. But any dream, any calling worth its gold requires vulnerability and risk. Any dream, any calling that's worth it requires both vulnerability and risk. And if you're feeling that right now, then that means you are on the cusp of something great. But ultimately, it's up to you. It's up to you. You can either choose to sit back and watch the ocean do its thing, or you can choose to dive in and be a part of it. Here's the deal. Do you really want to change your world? Do you? Do you want to change your world? Do you want, do you believe your message enough? Do you believe it enough to take a chance? Do you think it's valuable enough that it could make a difference in somebody else's life? If you really believe what you say you believe, it's worth it. But you just have to dive. You just have to dive. My friends, you have a name. It's already established. Your value comes from within, not without. You have a purpose. There is no one like you on the face of this planet. Nobody can do what you can do. Don't cheat the world out of you. And you have a place with all of us. Just so you know, my boy, he got in the water. (laughs) He dove right in. And before we left that day, he and daddy were on the boogie board together. And to this day, he talks about the ocean. And he would tell you, My little boy, he would tell you, it's worth it. Thank you for allowing us to speak into your life this week. Thank you for allowing us to cheer for you this week. And now, go out there, dive. You and your message are worth it. John, I think the most amazing thing about Michelle's message, as you talked about a little bit at the top, was the fact that When she delivered it, she knew that her cancer had returned and that this could very well be the last time that she spoke publicly. You know, think about that. And what is her message? You know, at the end, I love what Michelle said, is that every one of us has a message. And, you know, do you consider it valuable enough that it's going to impact other people's lives in this world that we're in? And what I would like to tell you is that it it does. And it is and who you are and what God's given you and the story in your life, no matter what shape and form that it comes in, uh, I would just challenge you to dive in and share that and build a platform that if you move forward, God will use you in a powerful way to change the world that you live in. So I I would love for everybody out there to just keep Michelle in your prayers Mm -hmm. as she recovers from cancer. So please keep her in your prayers. 
Uh, wait till you see the cover for this book, Undone. It's honestly one of the, not only is the book amazing, yeah. but it's literally one of the best book covers I've ever seen in my life. Go to Amazon, go to our website, get a link. This book will not only bless you, but it'll move your life forward. Well, if you would like a link to purchase Michelle's book or check out her webpage and blog, just go to eternalleadership.com slash zero two six. All that and more in our show notes, eternalleadership.com slash zero two six. There's also a link embedded in this MP3 if you're listening on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. It's super easy to do once you find out how and where your podcast player has placed that embedded description. Next time on Eternal Leadership, best-selling author, Ken Blanchard. You really finally become an adult when you realize that you're here to serve, not to be served. You're, you know, you're here to give, not to get. Uh, and that life is about generosity, service, and loving relationships, not accumulation of wealth, recognition, and power, and status. We hear from the author of The One Minute Manager, Lead Like Jesus, Situational Leadership, and 40 other best-selling books. You won't want to miss this one. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. Eternal Leadership.